Flyers AA. Thirdly, the balance sheets of several entities with extensive infrastructure investment responsibilities are now stretched to their limits. Government has provided support in the form of guarantees, which now total 467 billion rands, or 11.5% of GDP. In other words, ladies and gentlemen and honorable members, if somebody says, give me back uh, the money that we've borrowed on these guarantees, we'll have to find 467 billion rands tomorrow. This is a source of pressure on the sovereign ratings. Yet we need to accelerate infrastructure investment in the period ahead. So where do we get the money? So we must broaden the range and scope of our co-funding partnerships with private sector and other investors like trade union investment companies. This requires an appropriate framework to govern concession agreements and associated debt and equity instruments and appropriate regulation of the market structure. In taking this forward, we are able to draw on our experience in road funding concessions, in building the renewable energy market, and in promoting broadband telecommunications. Across these and other sectors, we have much to learn from each other, both nationally and through provincial and local initiatives. Minister Brown, in addition, is in discussion with Transnet's leadership on measures to accelerate private sector participation in the ports and freight rail sector, and we are not talking about privatization. I thought the only P word was Praveen, but now we have privatization. <coughs> the intention is to improve efficiencies, reduce the cost of doing business, and increase investment in port facilities and inland terminals. This will complement in investments that Transnet has already initiated through its market demand strategy. Our aim is to strengthen our state entities so that they can play a dynamic role in our development. Further financial support to state-owned companies will depend on the clarity of this mandate and firm resolution of governance challenges. Our regulatory agencies have a special responsibility in this regard. In setting prices for electricity, transport, and water utilities, they have to ensure that investment can continue to be financed and that costs are properly managed and people can afford the costs. The strength of our major state-owned companies does not lie in protecting their dominant monopoly positions, but in their capacity to partner with business investors and other investors, industry, mining companies, property and logistics developers, and for example, as I mentioned earlier, union investment companies, both domestically and across global supply chains. Before concluding, Honorable Speaker, allow me to return to the main elements of the 2016 budget, our spending plans and their contributions to growth and broadening development. Our approach is to build on our strengths, directly address weaknesses, and be bold where new initiatives are needed. The budget framework brings forward our fiscal consolidation, as I said, and reduces our budget deficit to 2.4 by 2018-19. Taxes are raised moderately across a broad base while limiting the impact on lower-income families. Personal spending has been curtailed and cost containment measures are reinforced. Expenditure, control, uh, ex expenditure growth is focused on post-school education and training, economic infrastructure, and social protection and health services. In respect of economic infrastructure, budget allocations for water infrastructure this year take into account the specific needs of drought-affected areas and the need to address, address water losses in critical supply networks. The Regional Bulk Infrastructure Grant Program has been allocated 15 billion rands over the medium term for the construction of bulk water and sanitation infrastructure. Public transport improvements in our cities are again prioritized alongside better road maintenance and rehabilitation plans. Over the MTF period, 1.6 billion rands is allocated to SA Connect broadband program to support access in remote areas and of schools, healthcare facilities, and government institutions. Steps to reduce the regulatory burden for business investors are also in progress. These include the establishment of Invest South Africa as a partnership with the private sector and concerted efforts by our largest cities to reduce the administrative cost of starting businesses. A review of business incentives 
has uh, been initiated to strengthen their impact and to focus those initiatives uh, in respect of growth, productivity, competitiveness, uh, and uh, trade. 475 million rands has been reprioritized to the Department of Small Business Development for assistance to small and medium enterprises and cooperatives. <laughs> Programs aimed at revitalizing agriculture include spending on small-scale farming and develop developing agri-parks in rural economies. An amount of 2.8 billion rands is allocated over the medium term to Fetsatlala, a food security initiative. The Department of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries aims to bring 120,000 hectares of land into productive use in the period ahead, benefiting 145,000 subsistence and smallholder producers each year. <coughs> Already this year, the Department of Water and Sanitation has reprioritized 502 million rands to deliver water, protect springs, refurbish boreholes in response to drought conditions. Funds have also been provided for feed and support for livestock farmers and disaster relief measures. Additional drought response allocations will be made as required in the adjustments appropriation later this year. In respect of higher education, an additional 16.3 billion rands has been allocated for higher education over the next three years. 5.7 billion rands of this addresses the shortfall caused by keeping fees for 2016 academic year at 2015 levels, zero increase, and the carry-through costs of the, over the MTF period. 2.5 billion rounds goes to the NSFAS scheme to clear outstanding student debt, along with a further 8 billion rounds over the medium term to enable current students to complete their studies. <laughs> In respect of basic education, early childhood education, our expenditure on basic education will increase from 204 billion rands this year to 254 billion rands in 2018-19. By 2018, 510 inappropriate and unsafe schools will be rebuilt, 1,120 schools will be supplied with water, and 916 schools with electricity. An additional allocation of 813 million for early childhood development is proposed to increase the number of children in ECD centers by 104,000 over the MTEF period. In respect of health and welfare services, 4.5 billion rounds is budgeted over the medium term for revitalizing health facilities in the 11 NHI pilot districts and related health system reforms. An additional 740 million has been allocated to strengthen TB programs to encourage early detection and treatment, 1 billion rounds for the expansion of the antiretroviral treatment program. <laughs> additional funds are allocated for new substance abuse treatment centers in the Northern Cape, Free State, Western Cape, and Northwest provinces. Now for the older people that are listening to us carefully and others that depend on social grants. Our overall expenditure on social assistance will increase from 129 billion rands this year to 165 billion rands in 2018-19. The old age, disability and care dependency grants will rise by 80 rands to 1,500 rands in April. and by a further 10 rounds to 1,510 rounds in October. The child, the child Support Grant will rise by 20 rounds to 350 rounds in April. And the Foster Care Grant by 30 rounds to 890 rounds. In respect of defense, public order and safety, Spending uh, will rise from 172 billion rands this year to 204 billion rands in 2018-19. Taking into account the recommendations of the Farham Commission of Inquiry, an amount of 598 million rands is allocated 
to enhancing capacity of public order policing units over the MTF period ahead. <laughs> Allocations are also made to, strengthening, to strengthen institutions supporting constitutional democracy and to combat corruption and to enhance the independence of the judiciary. Funds are allocated for the information regulator established in terms of the Protection of Personal Information Act of 2013. In respect of provinces and provincial expenditure management, Honorable Speaker, our Constitution requires an equitable division of nationally collected revenue between national, provincial, and local government. Taking into account the current fiscal framework, the provincial MECs for finance have agreed to a joint action plan to address expenditure management and service delivery improvements in each of their provinces. Some of the key measures that they've adopted are the following. Firstly, containment of administrative personnel expenditure while protecting education and health service staff. Secondly, improved revenue collection by the provinces themselves. Rationalization and closure of redundant and under underperforming programs and entities and intensification of cost containment measures in, excuse me, in keeping with national guidelines. I think you should congratulate the MECs. They're going to watch you, those of you that in the provinces didn't clap enough for them. Eh? In respect of municipal financial management, we are mindful that municipalities face growing pressures from both the rising cost of uh, bulk services and rapidly growing numbers of households. Municipal capital spending exceeded 53 billion rands in 2014-15. Yet we continue to see underspending of infrastructure grants in many municipalities. A review of these grants has led to several new proposals for improvement in delivery of infrastructure. Firstly, grant frameworks will in future allow for refurbishing of assets, as I said earlier, recognizing the long-term nature of municipal infrastructure. Maintenance is sometimes more important than new infrastructure. <laughs> Water sector grants, secondly, will be restructured to reduce duplication and the associated administrative burden. Thirdly, refinements are proposed to take into account the diverse challenges of urban and rural areas and the different sized towns and cities. And fourthly, Public transport transfers to cities will now be allocated through a formula bringing greater certainty and sustainability to these funding arrangements. This, brings, this year brings our fourth fully democratic local government elections uh, at our doorstep. In recognition of this, Treasury will launch a data portal to provide all stakeholders with comparable verified information on municipal financial and non-financial performance. I hope this will further stimulate citizen, citizen involvement in local governance. <coughs> the elections will also see a significant change in municipal demarcations. The number of municipalities will be reduced from 278 to 257 with the objective of, of improving their viability and sustainability. Local government allocations will be revised to take account of these boundary changes and over 400 million rands is allocated over the next two years to assist with this transition in the merger process. The Back to Basics program launched in 2014 aimed at improving service delivery performance of municipalities is entering its second phase of implementation under Minister Van Royen. It involves... Uh, <coughs> It involves active monitoring of performance in governance and service delivery, support to struggling municipalities, and stronger accountability measures. Our investment in cities and urban networks are as follows. Cities are already taking steps to encourage higher land use density and inner city development under the authority of the new Spatial Planning and Land Use Management Act. This will unlock significant further private sector development potential across our cities focused on strategic corridors. Bus rapid transport systems are operational and expanding in Johannesburg, Swanair, Cape Town, and George, and will be extended to Ekuruleni and Tegweni this year. 
although we've got to watch the sustainability of these programs as well. About 6 billion rands is allocated to this program in 2016-17. Improvements to rail, stock, uh, rolling, rail rolling stock and infrastructure will begin to improve the daily travel experience of commu commuters. We owe that to the workers of South Africa. <laughs> Associated with, this, uh, with these transport investments, over 90 integrated land development projects <coughs> excuse me, valued at more than 130 billion rands are in progress to reshape our cities in partnership with the private sector. Let me give you some examples. Electric Konubia node comprises 25,000 housing units. An inner city regeneration program is also underway, including projects at Bridge City, Centrum, The Point, and the Interconnecting Corridor. In the Tembisa Corridor in Akuruleni, 6.5 billion rands in public investment will leverage 8 billion rands in private sector investment to deliver housing, commercial, and office facilities. In Cape Town, the N2 Gateway Housing Program is continuing, and together with the redevelopment of the Fuhr Trekker Road Corridor, Conradi Hospital, the Athlone Power Station, and other sites. In Swane, investments are focused on the Mabupane Station Hub, which is the gateway to the north for more than 150,000 passengers a day, and has an informal market accom accommodating approximately 2,500 traders. In Mangawung, the 2,006 billion rands mixed-use airport development node is in construction. An inner-city residential development is planned, and the Vista Park and Brandcorp projects will yield over 8,500 housing units at a total development cost of over 1.9 billion rands. In Johannesburg, the corridors of freedom connecting Soweto, Alexandra, Santon, and the Joburg CBD, bring together public transport improvements, social amenities, and partnerships with property, property developers to increase settlement densities and improve social mobility. Honorable Speaker, our economic imperative is to ignite inclusive growth. This is central for jobs, for lowering debt, for delivering services, <coughs> excuse me, and building infrastructure for a 21st century economy. Let us chart a new course for the economy and the well-being of all South Africans, particularly for those hardest hit by unemployment, the low-skilled and the youth. This is not only crucial to address social imbalances and inequality, it is also fundamental to encouraging investment. The recent tremors felt by the emerging markets are a warning that we need to take corrective steps urgently or we will be all worse off. At the same time, we need to move forward to mobilize the resources and capacity of all our people, large and small enterprises, civil society organizations, and importantly, the public more generally. The joint actions we need will not always be easy. All too often, bureaucrats and business people speak past each other. The needs of the young are not the same as those of the elderly like yourselves. The rhythms of the township differ from those of the suburb. Race, class, language differences hold back progress, even when we have shared aspirations and shared goals. We need to bridge these divides. <laughs> I believe that we are resilient enough and committed enough and hopefully resourceful enough to overcome these challenges and seize these opportunities. We can turn today's adversity into opportunities. We can address the weaknesses that create policy uncertainty. We can build on the strengths that our resource base and our institutions and our workforce offers us. We can do things differently and indeed be innovative. We have avoided reckless policies which might have dragged us into recession or reversed the capital flows we need. We have a sound macroeconomic and fiscal framework and the excuse me, and the will to work together for faster and inclusive growth. Allow me in conclusion to thank you, Mr. President and Mr. Deputy President, for your leadership and support. <laughs> I also want to thank Cabinet colleagues for your contributions to addressing the challenges before ourselves and for working as a team. 
members of the Minister's Committee on the Budget, including the Deputy Minister uh, Jonas, who has been a pillar of strength, have provided sterling support. <laughs> I want to thank our provincial premiers and finance MECs and municipal mayors who share our fiscal and financial responsibilities. Please join me in also uh, expressing appreciation to uh, Minister Nene for his valuable contribution to our government and treasury. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to finish the speech now. Direct, Director General Lungisa Fuzile, who is the second pillar of strength in the Treasury. For his integrity and leadership, and to all the officials of the National Treasury. To <coughs> to Governor Kanyako, the Deputy Governors and Staff of the South African Reserve Bank. <laughs> to uh, Commissioner Moyane and the 14,000 staff in particular of the South African Revenue Service. <laughs> the Commissioners and Staff of the Financial and Fiscal Commission, the Chairpersons, Boards, Chief Executive Officers and Staff, of the DVSA, the Land Bank, the PIC, the FIC, uh, the Financial Services Board, and the Government Pensions Administration Agency. <coughs> the staff and constituency representatives of NEDLAC, and particularly its Public Finance Chamber, and finally, to Judge Dennis Davis and members of the Tax Committee. Because I'm passing on some difficult tasks, I must also especially be grateful to the Chair of the Finance Committee, the Honorable Karim, Acting Chair of the Appropriations Committee, Honorable Kwabaza, Chairs of the Select Committees on Finance and Appropriation, Honorable De Beer and Honorable Mohai, who have a responsibility for facilitating consideration of the Division of Revenue Bill, the Appropriation Bill and the Revenue Bills, which will be tabled later in the year. <coughs> And also to, to my family. Uh, <laughs> politics can be rough, so they, they face rough times. In conclusion, looking back on his extraordinary life of resilience and of commitment, former President Mandela had this to say, and I think we should take it to heart. And I quote, I am fundamentally an optimist. Whether that comes from nurture or nature, I cannot say. Part of being optimistic is keeping one's head pointed towards the sun, one's feet moving forward. There are many dark moments when my faith in humanity was sorely tested, but I would not and could not give myself up to despair. That way lays defeat and death. Let's be resilient. Thank you very much. Some things come naturally to SAFM, SAFM. like being SA's news and information leader. SAFM, 104 to 107. Just gone 23 minutes after 3 here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. You are with the MoneyWeb team. My name is Hannah Zaidi. We've just crossed back from Parliament where the Finance Minister, Pravin Gordon, delivered his budget speech with little or no interruptions uh, this year. That speech being very well received, it seems, at least by parliamentarians. We're going to be unpacking the speech uh, for the next 35 minutes or so. We're with you until 4 p.m. On my panel of experts, I have Narina Fisk. 
Officer, ETF Strategist with ETF South Africa. Um, in studio, also in studio, Zweli Maboza, founder of Priority Tax Solutions. And then on the line, Mandla Maleka, the Chief Economist um, at ESCOM Holdings. We're going to be looking at this budget speech right at the end there. The Finance Minister thanking the former Finance Minister, Ntlantla Nene, for all his hard work and getting um, a very long and loud round of applause for that. Let's give you a quick recap before we start discussing um, the budget speech with our panellists. The most significant announcements, among the most significant announcements, are that the budget deficit is reduced to 3.2% of GDP, down from 3.9% achieved in the 2015-16 tax year. So, in other words, for the 16-17 tax year, the budget deficit will be reduced to 3.2% of GDP. That deficit will further decrease in the following two tax years to 2.8% and 2.4% respectively. Government debt is to rise by 11% to 2 trillion rand or 45.7% of GDP in this uh, tax year. Total debt then stabilizing at 46% over the next two tax years. So that, of course, is the medium-term expenditure framework, the three-year space. No increases announced in personal income tax. So we can all heave a sigh of relief, particularly if you are um, on the margin, on a marginal taxpayer and are already taxed at the maximum. That will remain at 41%. Also, no increases announced to VAT. There were increases announced to capital gains tax and then also an increased focus on uh, centralized procurement to limit corruption and most notably perhaps bringing state-owned enterprises into uh, that centralized procurement. So in other words, a lot more of a focus on managing costs of SOEs. But let's start with tax. Uh, that is always topical for South African consumers. Zueli, were you surprised that the marginal rate on personal income tax remained unchanged at 41%? Um, I thought that they were going to increase that slightly, um, but I, I see that they did not do anything on that. They made certain adjustments on brackets, though, um, and I think the reason why they did not make any change is that they've already made a change on capital gains tax, and the impact there is quite huge yes. because now people are going to be paying tax of approximately 16.4% if you're sitting at 41% bracket already. Um, and that is an, it's a huge increase from 13.7%. Is so that on capital gains specifically? Th- that is on capital gains tax, and I think the other reason why they had to go that way, I mean, if you're looking at South Africa, there's been a lot of negative sentiments, and there is a possibility that some other people could be moving their assets outside South Africa, and if you're doing that, then you, you're probably going to be donating something like 16.4% of the value of your asset. <laughs> there we go. Also announced an increase to the fuel levy. That will increase by 30 cents this year. Of course, last year, uh, the former minister, Ntlanta Nene, announced a 50 cents increase to the fuel levy. I suppose we can just be happy that oil prices are as low as they are. They are as low as they are, but I don't know for how long, because, I mean, as you can see, the currency is quite volatile. Um, you may find that maybe the rent is going to weaken a little bit, um, depending on how the market reacts after the speech. But also in the long term, I don't think that the rent is a strong currency. Mm. So we could we could see the impact being a little bit higher on that. And the rand right now at 15 rand 55 to the dollar. We will be keeping a close eye on that. So really you mentioned uh, sending money offshore. What might happen in that case? Interestingly, Gordon mentioning that uh, the voluntary disclosure rules that allow individuals and companies with undisclosed offshore income and assets to regularize their affairs, which is a polite way of saying come clean, will be relaxed for six months from October the 1st this year. So government clearly trying to get people to come forward uh, in exchange for amnesty and declare their offshore assets. Yeah, and uh, the, the reason for that is because if you earn passive income from an investment that is outside South Africa, that should be included in your taxable income. Now, if the government does not know that you've got certain assets that are outside South Africa, then that is a problem. That is why they say to people, please come clean, okay? Because if you don't cl- come clean... And with all the other rules that have been put in place, not just in South Africa, but internationally, now you find that the tax authorities, they are now communicating, they are talking, and they are involving other institutions like financial institutions. So if you are sitting in South Africa and you've got assets outside South Africa, let's say you've got assets in Europe, you may find that the South African government, in particular National Treasury and SARS, they are talking to, the, to that government in overseas, and they may find out about that and there could be harsh penalties from the state. 
So the message mm. there is tell us or else, as you mentioned, global tax authority are moving towards, uh, authorities rather, moving towards an information sharing regime called the Common Reporting Standards. So fewer and fewer people will be able to escape that. According to the Davis Tax Committee's first interim report on estate duty, approximately 42,500 South Africans, slightly more than that, actually participated in the Income Tax and Exchange Control Amnesty granted in 2004. The process, um, according to the Davis Tax Committee, identified and brought assets in excess of 68.6 billion rand into the local tax system, while exchange control levies equal 2.9 billion rand. So quite clear why government is offering amnesty in exchange for those disclosures. We will be back with you um, after the news. We're going to cross now uh, for a news bulletin at 3.30. We'll be back with you after that bulletin to bring you more analysis um, of Finance Minister Pravin Gordon's budget speech. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. In our top stories, the government seeks a sharp increase in tax revenues and more money for higher education. Good afternoon. Finance Minister Pravin Gordon has announced that government aims to increase its tax revenue by over 18 billion rand in the next financial year. He was speaking during the budget speech in Parliament. There will be tax relief of over 5 billion rand for the lower and middle income groups. He's also announced substantial increases for tertiary education, which were widely anticipated after students last year staged a nationwide Fees Must Fall campaign. Gordon says the student financial aid scheme, NASFAS, will be allocated much more. He says there will be sharp, sharp cuts in government spending. The expenditure ceiling is cut over the next three years by 25 billion rands, mainly by curtailing personnel expenditure. And what we mean here is that we're cutting government expenditure. Tax increases amounting to 18 billion rands in 2016-17 are proposed, and a further 15 billion rands a year needs to be found in 2017-18 and 18-19. 93 billion rands is allocated to higher education over the next three years, funded through reprioritization of expenditure plans. NSFAS receives 41.2 billion rands. Gordon aims to increase revenue from tax increases by 18 million billion rand in 2016-17. Gordon also says there will be personal income tax relief of 5.5 billion rand on lower and middle income earners. As revenue ri- raising, as a revenue raising measure, rather, government proposes to introduce new tax for sugar sweetened beverages from the 1st of April 2017. This means the prices of food fruit juices and cool drinks might go up. I mean, Akram reports on other measures Gordon's announced. The finance minister says he is mindful of the need to moderate the impact of tax increases, particularly on households and firms in the present tough economic climate. The minister, however, does propose an increase in the monthly medical tax credit allowance, an increase of 30 cents a litre in general fuel levy, and an introduction of a tyre levy. He also suggests increases of between 6 to 8 percent in duties on alcohol and tobacco products. Amina Akram, SABC News, Cape Town. Despite dwindling tax revenue, government has decided not to increase value-added tax or VAT in this year's budget. Minister Gordon discussed VAT while talking to the media earlier. We don't have any, any uh, particular thoughts on this. Local government elections have got nothing to do with it. VAT is a regressive tax. And that VAT increases on a generalized basis uh, without proper relief to uh, people in the lower uh, income or low, lower socioeconomic categories can have a hugely damaging effect. And I know that that is very popular uh, in certain circles in, in South Africa. Gordon's hinted at the possibility of partial privatization of South African Airways. The 2016 budget proposes measures to consolidate and strengthen state-owned enterprises. It suggests a merger between SAA and SA Express with a strengthened new board. It proposes a potential potential minority equity partner to create a bigger and more operationally efficient airline. Amina Akram once again. Troubled flood carrier South African Airline could soon be out of its financial problems the airline could have additional shareholders. Government is exploring ways to sell part of its stake in the airline. The move is likely to spark anger in the hearts of labor unions who are against the privatization of state-owned entities. Amina Akram, SABC News, Cape Town. 
However, Gordon maintains there's been no talk of privatization, only of co-investment. But don't be tempted to use the P word, because I haven't used it. And there's nothing in the, in the documentation that talks about the P word. So we're not talking about privatization. We are deliberately talking about equity particip- minority equity participation. Right? And we're talking about co-investment. And, and what we are discovering is that there are lots of ideas. Recapping the top story, Finance Minister Pravin Gordon has announced that government aims to increase its tax revenue by over 18 billion rand in the next financial year. More news at 4 o'clock with Greg Hose. Show's so good, we won't blame you if you can't take a favour. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Nearly 35 minutes to 4, uh, 25 minutes to 4, excuse me, here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. We are talking budget. You're with MoneyWeb. My name is Hannah Zaidi. And uh, in studio with me, I have Narina Fisser, ETF strategist at ETF South Africa, Zueli Maboza, the founder of Priority Tax Solutions. And then on the line, um, Mandla Maleka, the chief economist at ESCOM Holdings, the finance minister, delivering this very tough uh, budget speech and seeming to go down well, at least with Parliament. Uh, we are keeping a close eye on the rand to see how that's responding at the moment, 15 rand 56 to the dollar. Uh, Mandla, let's go to you on the line. The minister announcing an expenditure cut of 25 billion rand over three years, primarily uh, driven by curtailing personnel spending. In other words, reducing the salary bill among uh, efforts to do that uh, is the fact that there'll be a freeze on non-essential appointments from April this year. Do you think that that is going to go down well with the ratings agency? Do you think that what he has proposed is feasible? Yes, no, thank you. Um, amongst others, really, I thought the, the budget presentation was trying to suit the poor, trying to be very soft on um, the labor, and trying to be very comforting and appealing to the ratings agency. And in all respects, it has marginally failed to at least achieve that. And, and and we know that the um, government has already increased um, the wage bill over the next over, over the medium term to support public wages. Now, by freezing posts, you are running a risk. Really, you are running a risk of not getting um, suitable personnel to head up your much-needed um, um, project for that matter. That is now um, qualified personnel. So for me, it was not really um, um, a game changer. It was very quiet. And you just mentioned now the rent reaction. Remember, last week, the rent was as strong as about, or oh, beginning of this week, rather, um, um, 15.20 um, to the dollar. Now, if you are sitting at 15.55, so the rent was not really very happy um, about, the, about the pronouncement. So, so, so targeting those, um, do, do, those cuts um, by government, I don't think it's, it's really very appealing to, to, to the ratings agencies. I think all of us we wanted to see a real meaning cut which would have meant um, 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 a communicated m- a message to both the ratings agencies and the market in general, and that would have been um, what is government thinking about the current uh, bloated uh, uh, cabinet? Mm. You you have 37 ministers or deputy ministers and 30 and, and, and 30 or so ministers uh, in the government. It, it may perhaps there was a pronouncement to that effect. Maybe perhaps would have been talking a different uh, um, speech. Mm. And then you compensate that by now attacking the country on its health prospectus. That is now on any sugar um, um, infested drink for that matter you are going to be in, imposing drink uh, imposing tax um, on those ones and including of course the entire tax and what it says that what did we do as a country to the plastic tax that we've imposed and i think we all know there was no refinery on on plastics now on tires again you're going to impose tax to come and at least one or the other to increase the revenue of the country, but we know that there may not be possibly um, and be a refinery on that front. So for me, it was really a very, very, very weak imposition mm. um, of fiscal cutting. 
There we go, Manda Maleka, the uh, chief economist at ESCOM, making the point that the wage bill does consume a large amount, a large proportion of government expenditure. Last year, it consumed 40% of government expenditure following a doubling of wage salaries, wages, between 2008 and 2014. And, of course, uh, Mandela also alluding to public sector wage settlements that were reached last year, which increased the salaries and benefits of public servants effectively by 10.1%. And that will then increase by inflation plus 2% over the next two years. So very hard to bring those expenditure measures under control. I'd like to touch on the sugar tax and the tire tax in a little while, really. But before I do that, Narina Mandla making the point that the minister was trying to be pro-poor, keep Labour comfortable, and placate the ratings agency. So uh, you're kind of holding it all in the balance. What's your take on, on how well he did that? No, there's the saying that says the only surefire way to, to disappointment is to try and please everybody. You can't do it. I think he did a reasonable job in terms of, you know, trying to sort of um, talk to all three sort of major stakeholders at this stage. Um, but the, the, the danger that you run is that you actually don't do enough for anybody and that it all backfires on you. So I think we're in for a couple of interesting months because my view is that the focus of government will be today was mostly about trying to buy time with the ratings agencies, get them to hold off on that big red button that says downgrade. The second focus will be on making sure that the voters are kept happy in, in, in the run-up to the municipal elections. And then in the second half of this year, we will see a renewed focus on not just talking the talk to appease the ratings agencies, but really doing the things that are necessary. And from that point of view, there was some mention of obviously things like the National Development Plan and so on, but with very little detail in terms of actual implementation. At the end of the day, those are some of the key things that the ratings agencies will be looking at. They're looking for the action, not just the talk. You know, I think they are, they are a little bit once bitten twice shy. Um, they've, they've heard this so many times in the past, um, and, and government has unfortunately not delivered sufficiently on the basis of what they've been saying for, to the credit ratings agency. So this is going to be the year of, of walk the walk and stop talking the talk, and, uh, and yeah, I guess... Or else. We'll see what the report card looks like by December of this year. Well, waiting with bated breath um, for that. I'd like to see, and I said this uh, off air, a champion of the NDP ahead of the NDP. Narina suggesting Trevor Manuel, if I may say that, on air. Um, but, you know, I, I do think if we would like to see implementation of the NDP, you need someone to run with it. He did uh, mention state-owned enterprises. Of course, that remains, SOEs remain a very um, large drain on government finances. Government guarantees two SOEs now total 467 billion rand or 11.5% of GDP. So very significant indeed. Um, the minister announcing uh, a proposed merger of SAA and SA Express, so dealing with that uh, troubled SOE in particular, and perhaps the suggestion of a minority equity partner for SAA. Um, that may be sought. And we have seen that report coming out from the presidency on looking at the partial privatization of SOEs. The Minister uh, Gordon, very careful to say we're not talking about the P word, privatization, only getting in some minority equity holders. Narina, do you think anyone would have interest to come in um, and not not get management control of a state-owned company but still buy in on a minority stake? Certainly from a business and investment perspective, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Why would you invest in something where you've got absolutely no say in either the operational or the managerial impact of, of how things are run? So, you know, there are some people that have commented that maybe some of these state-owned enterprises should just be given away because it'll be cheaper for us in the long run. Um, I'm, I'm really disappointed about this, the fact that he was so adamant about the fact that they are not talking about privatization. For me, that's probably one of the big disappointments of the budget is I think he had the opportunity really here to, to make a major statement um, and, and unfortunately in my books he's failed on that count. He did announce um, you know, plans around energy to bring in more private actors um, on energy, not only with the Renewable Energy Independent Power Producers Procurement Program, but also planning a second round now of procuring electricity generated from uh, coal IPPs, or coal from IPPs rather. First round bid submitted last year for 1,000 megawatts, unlocking 45 billion rand of private investment. Um, and again, the Minister announcing now a second round. No further allocations 
made on nuclear over and above what Minister Nene allocated last year, 200 million rand in his mini-budget in October. Not much mention made of nuclear. Mandla, were you disappointed that there was not more discussion over nuclear? I mean, um, absolutely. Um, um, and the general talk, and uh, we can speak, was that maybe perhaps we may have some kind of clarity regarding nuclear, and maybe perhaps some kind of um, aggressive talk when we, we we speak about SOE's privatization. And yes, to agree with you, um, the P word was not used that much, and I I wonder why, for that matter. And no one really, ideally, will ever want to come and take in public entities as a really very small minority, for that matter, in tautology, um, to engage and to commit capital. In fact, it's going to be a contentious issue the moment you talk about privatization um, of, of, um, of SOEs. And really, in large parts, uh, sorry, rather in large part, ESCOM does need a partner of qualitable and 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 and, and quantifiable um, extent that will support ESCOM to relieve the the, the the power supply pressures to um, to the economy. As the minister mentioned, that amongst others, maybe perhaps power supply is a constraint to our own growth. And I beg to differ to to a very large extent. Whilst I agree, so 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 we need a, a different speak. Remember that um, Minister Clinton in the last year he mentioned the fact that there would be some kind of about 200 million rands dedicated to at least um, attend to the detail of the nuclear program. Mm. And this time um, it was only but a muted point that was never even made by the minister. Uh, it makes you wonder that the allocations decided last year in the MTPPS, what is going to happen to it going forward? Are we saying that maybe perhaps there is no underlying agreement that we've signed uh, with the likes of Russia and other contending um, um, countries for that matter? And that silence on its own raises a big eye to the, um, to the market and to the ratings agencies. Initiatives um, are now staying with state-owned enterprises now. The initiatives of the chief procurement officer in government centralizing procurement within government will be extended to include the monitoring of state-owned companies' procurement plans and supply chain processes and reviews of contracts above 10 million rand to ensure value for money. Centrally negotiated contracts will be mandated with effect from April this year. Mandla, would you say that's a positive move by government? Look, um, we know who's the senior um, state um, 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 procurement officer here. It's Kenneth Brown um, from the National Treasury or former National Treasury. And this process has been there from the last fiscal year, for that matter. And he had asked ESCOM, as our CEO has stated, he had asked ESCOM about some of their contracts. And they've been evaluating them anyway from um, 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 uh, as far back as July last year. I think as ESCOM are waiting for the report on the analysis thereof. So it is a good move. It is not a new move, but to, re- to re-emphasize, perhaps there may be something that the minister is seeing. But I'm saying that it is a good move from the original intent anyway last year when it was introduced. Now we're waiting for the um, for the results or for the analysis. But because it is broad-based, it's looking at, um, it's looking at the entire SOE spectrum, I think it's much more welcome to the greater part of South Africa. We'll all want, uh, we'll all await exactly the, the, the functioning of that unit and the, the, the desired outcome that it wishes to, 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 to attain. And I think from the budget speech today, uh, they, the minister said that uh, out of the 500 billion rands of contracts, at least the procurement or the procurement officer is targeting to at least save about 25 billion. I think it is, it is a step in the right direction for this current um, fiscal year. Let's move back now to tax issues. I mentioned before the news bulletin that government is going to reduce or rather introduce a sugar tax in order to reduce excessive sugar intake. Government proposing the introduction of a tax on sugar-sweetened beverages on April the 1st next year. And without providing more details, the 2016 budget review indicated that while obesity stemming from the overconsumption of sugar is a global concern, the problem has also grown locally over the past three decades. South Africa has the worst obesity ranking, in fact, in sub-Saharan Africa, which increases, as we know, the risks of heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. Um, were you surprised at that, Zueli, a sugar tax? 
Look, I was not expecting it, I must say. But I mean, <laughs> with hindsight, <laughs> when I look at this, I say, look, every opportunity that the government has to, to actually collect more money, they are going to use it. Uh, this time it happened to be sugar tax. And I don't know how much is it going to collect overall and whether that is going to be ring-fenced so that it can deal with the problem. Because I think as Mantra pointed out, I mean, before we had something where we had levies on plastics, mm. you know, and that money generally goes to the fiscals. And it's very difficult to be able to track that and say, does it address the problem? I mean, it's going to be the same thing with this tire levy. It's also going to be going to the fiscals. So all I'm saying here is that we let's wait and see, but I think that the government is just looking for opportunities to increase tax. Perhaps Let's one talk about that tire levy. Sorry, just just to double click there, the tire levy um, proposed during the budget last year, and it's really an effort to reduce waste and encourage recycling. But you make the point: Do we know whether it has that effect? A plas- the plastic bag levy also increased um, fr- from six cents to eight cents per bag from April one this year. But does that stop you and I from getting plastic bags when we go grocery shopping? I do try to remember to bring my own bags, but I often forget. Um, the tire levy. What's that all about? Well, they said that it's going to, they are going to start up a recycling project. Okay? So initially it is going to fund that, that recycling project. As you say, the intention is to just say, let's, re- let's reduce waste and let's make sure that we, to some extent, we go green. So recycling is, is, is the buzzword these years. So <laughs> hopefully people they are looking at that to say, look, maybe that's one thing in which we can actually also reduce some of these emissions. And that is with effect from 1st of October, and that is just in the next eight months. So it's a, it's a very short period, and that will, will be something like 2.3, 2 rand 30 uh, per kg. So those of you who are driving 4x4s, it's going to be, it's going to hit you heavy. <laughs> so, but I, for me, I look at this and say, look, this is the opportunity for the government to increase the tax. So yes, go for it. There we know. go. Whatever they can One do. One comment to get that I just wanted to make around yes. the, the reduction of the salary bill, and I think this was also made by Mantla. The point was made by Mantla to say, look, if you actually lose key people in government, in other words, those people who are really working hard, how is the government going to replace them other than to increase the consultant's bill? Because that's the other side of the coin. You try, you save money on, on salaries. On the other side, you are increasing the cost that you pay to consultants. In the end, you are not saving anything. You're just playing with the, the description of cost that you incur. Mm. No, I think that, that is a fair point uh, to be made. Staying on tax, specifically what's tax-free, because we're talking about how the fact, the fact that so many taxes have been uh, increased. Tax-free savings accounts, the minister touching on those, about 150,000 accounts opened to date with savings totaling 1 billion rand. Narina, do you think we'll see more people flooding into tax-free savings accounts now that capital gains tax has gone up? Absolutely, and you know, if the evidence of the last couple of weeks is anything to go by, um, I think people are starting to understand and appreciate the role that these tax-free accounts can play in their lives, especially people who are not taxpayers currently, because if you don't, if you don't earn a salary and you don't pay t- income tax, there's no relief from a contribution to a retirement annuity fund. Similarly, if you are already retired, there was originally sort of the notion or the sense that, you know, this is, it's too late for me, it doesn't help for me to, to invest in a tax-free account. When you appreciate that although the 30,000 rand per year seems to be a relatively small amount for somebody who might be more wealthy or who's already in retirement, you realize that that is the amount that you invest that's tax-free, but the amount that it can grow to that then is ultimately available for withdrawal on a tax-free basis, on a capital gains tax-free basis in particular, I think becomes a lot more compelling. So I think it's a, it's a certainly a good start for 150,000 accounts, 1 billion rand, and I think we'll see a lot more of it in future and I think it will become a lot more mainstream in terms of people's general financial and investment planning. Absolutely, as people understand the power of compound interest, the seventh wonder of the world, I think, according to Mr. Einstein. Let's uh, go back now and look at capital gains tax again. Can you give us a brief uh, look, Narina, at the implication of that on investments? 
So in essence, how it works is that there is a, uh, an inclusion rate which has now been increased from 30% to 40%. The inclusion rate essentially means that for every 100 rand of capital gains that you make, 40 rand of that will be added to your regular income or taxable income, and that is then taxed at whatever your marginal rate is. <clears throat> so if your marginal rate is at 41%, it means that that extra 40 rand will be taxed at that rate, coming to a maximum effective margin tax rate on capital gains tax of 16.4%. That is for individuals. At the same time also the tax-free allowance on capital gains tax has been increased from 30 to 40,000 40, rand. Just want to, to, to emphasize here, this is not the tax-free investment account limit that has been increased. That remains at 30,000. This is the capital gains tax, tax-free limit that has been increased from 30 to 40,000 rand per year. But we also see that there's an increase on the corporate capital gains tax rate, which takes it to, to just under 23% effective as a maximum rate. So certainly quite a big increase, and I think we certainly will see a flurry of maybe some, some last-minute sales of trying to lock in some capital gains under the current regime. Um, at the same time, also maybe the very poor performance of the markets over the last year has actually helped a bit and reduced some of those lofty <laughs> capital gains that people had, had on their books. Um, so yeah, I think it's, a, it's, it's an interesting way to tax on, on the proceeds or the growth of your investments rather than, than taxing at source or taxing either on revenue or on spending. And the government saying today, or the minister saying today, that uh, tax-free savings accounts are not a vehicle to avoid estate duty. Social security proposals um, also expected out by mid-year. We know that this has been a very sticky issue, particularly with Labour, with the, the unions, the Congress of South African Trade Unions, in particular COSATU, um, kicking up a massive fuss around retirement reform, which has had the effect of delaying the implementation of the forced annuitization of Provident Fund savings, which was due to come into effect on the 1st of March. Other changes to retirement reform uh, or retirement reform changes will come into effect, particularly those relating to tax benefits. So provident funds will now enjoy the same uh, tax benefits as pension funds. Zweli, would you like to weigh in on that? Did you hope to see more um, on retirement reform from the minister or do you think he did a good job of, of covering it? Well, I was disappointed that the government decided to, to back off on this because mm -hmm. the complication that you have here um, you have a legislation that was signed, and the effective date of that legislation is 1st of March 2016. Now you have a proposal, and that proposal is only going to come into effect sometime during the middle of the year, and it's only going to be law that is going to be backdated then. Now, if you are an advisor or you are a company and you want to know how should you be treating this, you have to be in contravention of the law that is signed. Because remember, what we have now, these are just proposals that have been made by the minister. This is not law. Mm. So that is why I'm saying that I am somewhat disappointed that the government decided to actually back off. And I'm not sure even come 20, 2018, I'm not even sure this will, will, will really fly. Because we're still going to have unions. Because that is still going to be there come 2018. <laughs> so we're just postponing the inevitable. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Absolutely a fair comment there. Just a quick whistle-stop on some of the other important issues of recent years and mentioned in this budget. National Health Insurance, a 4.5 billion rand um, announced to be given towards revitalizing health facilities in the 11 NHI pilot districts. Also 1 billion rand for the expansion of the antiretrovirals program. 16 billion rand to higher education. Um, some of that to address the funding shortfall that higher education institutions are facing this year following um, not increasing fees for the 2016 academic year. Also some of that 2.5 billion rand going to the National Student Financial Aid Scheme, 8 billion rand to enable current students to complete their studies. So Pravin Gordon having to divvy up the budget between lots and lots of different programs. We're nearly out of time but I'd like to give each of you just a couple of seconds to round up your final thoughts on this budget. Mandla, let's start with you. Closing thoughts. Yeah, no, no. Um, you know, when you are in government, just please govern, and that will give the country um, a bit of a direction. 
Um, so you can't be governing because hashtag is must fall and then you respond and the hashtag anything else happened then you must um, you, you must respond. I think as a government you have to govern. And I think probably the last point that was touched by is really when you come to um, and, and taxes for that matter. We know that as a country we are very poor savers. And, and, and we are trying to save the public sector, amongst others, to be very good savers so that we can at least rely on those contractual savings for future borrowing and avoid to borrow internationally. Mm. And by now we're drawing that whole, um, um, that whole bill or, or, or the pension bill for that matter. We are allowing for the same perverse incentive to continue. So my comment would be that if you govern in, the, in being given the power to govern, please do govern. Here we go. Mandla Maleka is the Chief Economist of ESCOM Holdings. Narina, quick one from you. I'm afraid that he hasn't done enough to avoid the credit ratings downgrade. Um, I think we are pretty much on a path of, of inevitability here. Purely just some of the metrics, such as the rise in the interest rate um, on a bill in terms of our, especially our foreign debt, mm. due to the RAND depreciation, means that some of those metrics are going to remain outside of what the credit ratings agencies require. So, unfortunately...